I'm Imani Mixon, an arts and culture writer and host, and this is Subject Matters, a podcast about artists, the world they live in, and the world they wish to create. Diaspora is defined as a scattered population. But for many of us who are far from our ancestral homeland, the diaspora is a welcoming place, a gathering place where we learn our shared history and collectively add to it. Today, I'm speaking with artists Ajra Algali and Patrick Quarm about how art happens when West Africa is the focus, the inspiration, and the audience. Ajra, we'll start with you. Can you please introduce yourself? I will go. So it is such a pleasure to be in conversation with you both. I am super excited. Um, yeah, so I was born and raised here in Detroit. I have a uh, um, American mom and a uh, West African dad by the way of Sierra Leone, but also um, my family in Sierra Leone is a part of the uh, the uh, Creole uh, population, meaning that we're a mixture of repatriated um, uh, Black American slaves that um, went back to the country of Sierra Leone, but also uh, mixed with some um, Nigerian Yoruba. So that's where I trace my lineage through. So so before Africa became what it is today, it, we were all one. So, um, and I, I began studying West African dance about 20 years ago. I just walked into a dance class and was like, this looks lit. And I just started dancing. <laughs> and then, so, but my dad was saying back then, like, why are you doing this? Because I don't <laughs> come from a dance family. You know what I'm saying? So, but now he's to the point where, oh my God, you should do this. You could, you should go back to Sierra Leone and X, X, Y, and Z. And so um, that's where I get like that from my dad owned a nightclub growing up here in Detroit. So I think that's just like a mixture of like everything that I was around and, you know, and I, I try to fuse dance, music, into my um, academic practice, you know, being an urban planner, formally trained as an urban planner, like I want to bring in the uh, now formal and the uh, traditional ways that we build community and space. So again, it's such a pleasure to have a conversation. <laughs> what was the nightclub? I'm very intrigued about that. <laughs> like what? Yeah, me too. <laughs> yes, it- it was called Sierra Afrique, and it was on the west side of Detroit, Plymouth, and Southfield area. And when I tell, like, I grew up in it, like, my dad would take us to, like, when, when they would bring in guest artists from, from the continent when they were touring. Um, my sister and I would go and watch the performances, and we were, like, seven, eight, and in a nightclub where they they have an alcohol and such but that was just the you know just being you know brought up in an atmosphere where like you embraced all of that so it wasn't like you can't do that and you can't go there it's like no this artist is coming you guys need to see them perform wow love it early education okay patrick (laughs) (laughs) patrick can you introduce yourself please um yeah i'm patrick patrick palm I'm I'm really happy about this and thanks for the invite and nice to meet you, Ajara. You know, yeah. I was born in Ghana. Um, that's where I was born, grew up. But I was born in a post-colonial town. It's called um, Sekendi. It's it's actually a twin city. It's like Sekendi is the initial town and 
Takrade came out of Sekendi, so they are next to each other. But um, Sekendi um, has a lot of uh, colonial remnants, you know? Yeah, like buildings, architecture, and all those stuff, yeah. So, yeah, grew up in Takrade, did my most of my education back in Ghana. And um, I think in 2015, um, after my undergrad, I came to Texas Tech for my MFA. And that was like three years from there, um, I moved to Detroit. And that was fun, yeah. My main attraction <laughs> was uh, my sister lived there and she was the only family I had in the US. I was like, hey, I might as well be closer to family. So moved closer and I really enjoyed my time there. Yeah. Um, and currently, um, I positioned myself in a way that I could freely move in between Ghana and the US. Yeah, that, that was my ultimate goal. So I was back in Ghana for almost like eight months. And I'm back currently in New Haven for um, an artist residency. Yeah. So in, basically, that's this this will be the interesting part of my life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good invitation though. Like just marking it. Okay, like this is gonna be yeah. interesting. I like the term interesting as opposed to this is gonna change my life. That feels a lot more <laughs> a lot more organic. Um so when I was preparing for this conversation, I Googled the word diaspora because I feel like people pronounce it a different way. I feel like people understand it a different way. And the first thing that came up was scattered population, which just sounds disgusting to me. Like, that doesn't resonate with me at all. So I'm wondering how you all describe the diaspora and if it's something that you think about actively in your life and your work. Ooh, I actually do. And I say diaspora. So it's mm-hmm. like, again, like tomato, tomato. But I think of it as like lost family, so to speak. And I say that because of the fact, like how I grew up, you know, being that I come from a very, like duality in terms of continental African and African-American, I I viewed it as like, wow, like this is, this is all of me. This is who I am. And being that when I was growing up, like that my dad had the nightclub, we were all like, we hung out with the Jamaicans, the Haitians, the uh, Costa Ricans, the Ghanaians. It was all one big family. And so like when I say family, like I truly, truly mean that, you know, I have uncles that I literally call uncle that are from Ghana, that are from Nigeria, that are from Jamaica, because, because of that um, community. I do feel that um, it's sad that now we kind of go into our own like enclaves. um, And like, I think of the diaspora of us being like of one people, you know, um, just like, you know, the model of Jamaica is, you know, out of many one one people. And that's how I think of the um, the uh, diaspora is that we all have our roots and lineages in Africa. And, you know, it's, it's great that we 
we like focus on what what makes us like individual people or individual countries but like let's not forget like these places in which we have all of this like connectivity to were countries they were not countries 50 to 60 to 70 years ago you know what I mean so and that's the way I look at it so even when I talk I say you know the country that is now Sierra Leone because prior to you know European influence there was no such place as Sierra Leone it was the place of where the Mende in the Timney and you know the Asusu people lived in I will shut up because I could go on and <laughs> on about this, but yeah. <laughs> um, I love it. Yeah, for, for me, I think um, when, when it comes to the word diaspora, what um, the way I think of it, so I'll, I'll take it from a different angle, right? Um, the, the way I think of it is like a, a place of, there's a place of origin and there's, there's a base, right? So it's like out of the base, that's where you, you stretch your wings, you know, to everything around you. So being kind of like displaced out of origin or base is when you start navigating the space that I think about as diaspora, right? But looking at my experience, um, so I'm, I'm going to do a little comparison between me and Ajara. Ajara was born in Detroit, right? I grew up and was born in Ghana. So it's like even navigating through the American space or the Western space, I don't dwell or I don't, diaspora doesn't play much in my mind, right? Because I'm constantly thinking of a place that I call home, that like I'm connected to, I know of, right? But um, the word diaspora becomes very paramount when I start like engaging with the politics of a place, right? When I start feeling like, oh, I'm an I'm the other, you know, um, do I belong to this space? When I start asking myself these questions, that's when I'm like, oh, this is not home, you know, uh, this is not my base. This is so. How do I navigate that and still try to um, not forget um, or stay connected because it was kind of like a struggle when I first moved to the U.S. Um, a part of me was constantly longing for, you know, that home, that base. And at the same time, too, I was in a new space where I'm like, okay, I have to try and um, um, navigate this space, um, try and understand the rules of this space and through. Yeah, I think that that's how I see it. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. And I think um, the phrase that you used, Ajra, Western influence just kind of rings in my ear <laughs> because I think in the worlds that we inhabit in general right now, there is that outsider feeling um, for African-Americans as well as uh, continental Africans, as you said. And it just feels very sad and very far from the work that can be done or like the community that can be built. So I think there is definitely a common thread of like, I don't belong here. I have to make something new, but also being able to have the resources to make something new. Um, so I'm, I'm curious because I think that some artists, when they make it into a certain space or they get a certain platform, 
they can distance themselves from their origin, but it feels like both of you have come closer to it or navigated it in different ways. So I wonder if you can walk me through the journey of incorporating, you know, West Africa and your home into your practice or like maybe traditional techniques into your practice and if it was something that was always there or arose over time. I know who wants to come first. I'm thinking. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, I will say for me, this is something that rose as my, as my curiosity about Africa increased. Um, you know, like I, again, like I, I grew up knowing a lot of my, you know, my um, African family, you know, I had my, my grandmother's brother would come and spend the summers with us like all the time. So, you know, I, I knew that, like, I knew, like, you know, how to, you know, properly greet people and, you know, just like the uh, ins and outs of what you're supposed to do um, coming up as a, uh, like a child of uh, an African parent. Um, and, and my mom was real cool about, you know, you um, like, don't eat fufu with a spoon or whatever, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So, um, <laughs> however, though, I do feel like, a lot of how I am came into play because of the fact, like, I couldn't hide from it, you know, like my name. Mm-hmm. Like, how am I going <laughs> to hide from Ajara Algali? You know what I mean? Like, it's nobody with that name in Southeast Michigan, let alone, like, even the Midwest. Who has the name Ajara Algali? And so I was just kind of like, okay, it is what it is, no matter like how I try to like Americanize it, um, it's it's right smack dead in my face. So I really try to build like a, a story, like what is my story? And um and 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 it's and it's been like a an a a slow moving train in which like it started picking up momentum. And then, you know, now I'm like, okay, this is like, this is it. Like, this is, this is what I have. Um, basically like my lot is in Ajara and what I am trying to do like right now in terms of furthering dance and like, more attention to the uh, continent, but also really having us rethink our place on the continent and how and and how like we came to be like who we are as like a larger group of like Black African people globally, um, and that is the conversation that I am more interested in having using dance as a conduit to actually you know, start those conversations because it's a lot of dialogue that needs to be had in that. Um, And I said, you know, now is the time that, you know, we should be thinking about it. Um, I do sometimes feel like, like, oh, you know, like this is the shit that I was talking about years ago and now people want to talk about Mm -hmm. it. Like, what's up with that? (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I mean, like, you know, but, you know, yeah, so it's, you know, it happens because 
I just was like, I'm not about to continue to like hide myself or hide who I am. I just have to go in it full throttle. And yeah, it's, yeah. And it's, it's me. Truly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, with, with me, I think I, I would take it from the kind of upbringing that I had, right? Um, so th- this is my dad. I always refer to my dad as this post-colonial gentleman, right? And growing up, I mean, we went to school. Um, the school was like geared towards the colonial system. You have to learn English. You have to, um, when you talk about who a gentleman is, you have to present yourself like the queen because Ghana was kind of like colonized by the uh, the British, right? Yeah. So um, my dad, um, even growing up, when you you start speaking English at home, right, he'll give you a knock and tell you that speak your own language. After you perfect speaking your own language, he starts like adopting someone else's own. Right. He, He was that type. He was like, learn but don't forget who you are. Don't forget yourself. That that was my dad. So um, with regards to uh, me staying connected and finding these stories in my work, it's kind of like, um, I feel like there's, there's that connects back, right? There's that, um, um, these stories that my dad used to tell me, my mom used to tell me, my uncles used to say, that I'm always, even within the work that I do, I'm always trying to reconnect to it. Um, there are um, some paintings that I've done over the years that the the inspiration was clearly from a story my mom told me or my dad told me, right? And I'm like, as a young man who is who has been told this story moving through the world, how can I find meaning in that kind of story, right? So um, for me, that's that's a clear connect, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. That that's beautiful. And I love the idea of just memory. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes we there's some memories you have to run away from or that you want to distance yourself from. But being able to actually own like, yo, <laughs> it was actually sweet that my dad told me that and yeah, my mom yeah. told me this and I can yeah. use this, I think is also um, a psychological leap for some people. So I had the privilege of going to Ghana for the year of return uh, a couple years ago and I just remember prepping myself like I didn't want to go with like the Disney (laughs) view of what Africa was going to be or, you know, I'm like some special person that everything's supposed to open up for me and it's just going to be lovely. And it was lovely. But I think a huge part of my preparation was just like Imani be present and like don't try to push what you think Africa is supposed to be for you or what it's supposed to do for you on you being there. So in my eyes, I think the biggest thing that stuck with me being from Detroit, which is a black, black, black city, it was just beautiful to see a whole country do the same thing. Like I (laughs) saw black at every level, every street corner. And I just felt like, yo, like, I know we don't all speak the same language, but I feel cared for and looked after. And I never felt necessarily um alone which I think is sort of the feeling that you were talking about that happens in in America so I wonder for each of you how you would describe your 
your Africa, wherever it is that you return to, um, to people who have never been before. Specifically black people, if I'm being honest. Mm-hmm. So, um, go ahead. I want to hear. I wanted to clarify the question. Um, so um, in terms of like, let's say when I go back home, I, are you taking it from that angle? Or like, I think that'd be okay. nice. I think present day is nice because I think that is obviously probably way different than what you grew up in. I just want to actually like celebrate the like your how you came into it, Amani, because not a lot of people take that time to really like ground themselves in what they will experience. I do feel like a lot of people would be like, oh, it's going to be people walking down the streets with like um, Ankara fabric. Like, nah, it's not like that. You know, people, you know, Mm -hmm. like people go about their business or whatever. (laughs) Um, But for me, like when I, I don't know, like I feel like, I mean, I might get emotional because I do have like some things I like and some things I'm like, oh my God, get it together, yeah. see? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the time. All the time. <laughs> and so, Come on, honesty. So like when I get off the plane, I just take a big <laughs> whiff. I'd be like, all right. And I try not to live my life like in terms of like how I will live it here. You know what I mean? Just Mm. like in terms of, okay, I would expect X, Y, and Z in America, but, you know, this is, you know, how people live here. And I I, I really try to do my best in being present in the fact that Africa is a different place. It's a different continent. It's a different weather pattern. It's like all of those things. And don't come with the uh, notion of wanting something that I have 5,000 miles away and, you know, want people to accommodate that in, in mm-hmm. Sierra Leone. Um, and so I, I take that approach basically just even piggybacking on what you said earlier. Like I take that approach in terms of, all right, girl, like you about to go home. Get it together. And so, like, I mean, and that's what I do every time I step on a plane. I think that we need to be conscious and say, like, not everyone lives the way we live here. And that's okay. And, you know, and I have an example with my husband, right? So I I was always like, why do you eat? Why do you hold your fork like that? Like, oh, my God. Like. (laughs) and he he literally he said to me he said you wouldn't ask a chinese man how he holds chopsticks and then it's the fact that it you you grow up eating with your hands so like if you are like if if you haven't been exposed or whatever to eat it like with the fork you you so that would be foreign You know, just like, you know, Mm -hmm. for like for anyone else, example, a a Chinese person eat it with a fork. Why would you like 
that is foreign. That's not what you would, you know, use, you know. So eating with your hands is the utensil. That's that's what you do. And so for me, like I literally, and this is, I'm honest, and I think that all if all black people here in America, if you want to go to Africa, I would say have a conversation with yourself and really try to decolonize your thought about what you're Mm -hmm. what what you're going to see what you're going to experience because our interpretation of Africa and how we view Africa has always been through a white lens you know of Mm -hmm. what they what they want us to see of Africa and so I'm just Mm -hmm. thinking like okay it's time to peel back that because of the fact like you have to go into it as a black person wanting to know more about your history and so you gotta like wipe away that whole like that that whiteness that western view of it Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think. Well said. Yeah. That, that's 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 really nice what you said. Uh, yeah, I think Africa is a whole a whole mood, you know, that you have to set your mind when when you're going, you know. Um, like um, what Ajara was saying was very is like really interesting because um, we um, Africa's history was written by the West, right? And the West taught us how to even um, the people on the continent itself, well, most through the education system were taught to look at Africa through the Western lens, not through the lens of the the African um, or the inhabitant themselves. So it's kind of brings about that conflict. But um, I think for me, going the reason why I love home and the reason why I love going back is the sense of freedom and the sense of community. You know, everyone is like your friend. You walk down the street and it's like, hey, what's up? You know, that, that kind of thing. And you just, you just, you just free, you know, that, that kind of um, freedom is something that I always described America as this facade. But when you dig beyond the facade, you realize that the problems that America has it's the same problem Africa has, but it's just mm. that when you get to Africa, you see the problems. It's not it's not polished, right? But when you are in America, it's polished. It looks really nice. But the longer you stay in, you're like, man, you know what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah that that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and I agree with the fact that um, if you want to visit Africa for the first time. You, you don't just jump and go, you know, you have to kind of like school yourself a little bit and prepare yourself. Um, um, have have that. Anything can take you by surprise, you know. Yeah, but it's it's a whole new world and it has its own beauty. It has its own like um, um, way of presenting itself. And I think when you start um, appreciating that, when you start, I, I had a few friends visit whilst I was in Ghana, visit from the US, and that was their first time, right? And when they came, the one said that, oh, I've been lied to. You know, and I was like, why would you say that? And he was like, Yeah, you know, I had this perception that Africa would be this, Africa would be that. And 
It's not, you know, it's far beyond what I even thought. And even during my MFA time, um, I had some of my colleagues in class. I was just wearing t-shirts and jeans and someone would ask me, hey man, so do you guys dress like this in Africa? And I'm like, oh man, there's Google, you know, go check it out, right? <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> these little things, it's, um, it throws you off sometimes, but it makes you also see where um, all these like old histories have made these perceptions come to be. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like there's also a level of like globalization at play here because it feels like as a black person in America, one of the easiest low pressure ways to interact with Africa is through consumption. Right. Like if I'm going to listen to this artist, I'm buying these clothes, I'm getting this print. Outside of that, are there things that you think people can do to like actively be in support of the culture maybe before they go or something like that? I feel like um, it's just hard. Like I completely understand why somebody would stop at that base level if they don't know what the next level is or if they maybe never even plan on being there but it feels like there should be more. Like, it feels like there should be a bigger investment somehow. I think the biggest investment would be, like Ajara said, break, breaking down your thinking. You know, that would be the initial investment, you know, yeah. And, like, mm -hmm. um, self-education, you know, um, trying to understand. Um, it's like... Um, I always have that principle that before you venture into a space, know the history and the story of that space. Um, know something about that space. You don't, you don't just throw yourself into it, right? Um, I think once mm -hmm. you do, you become a part of it. And also that kind of like new space embraces you because for the fact that you know, yeah. Um, like, um, let's say you, you get to Ghana, right? And before you go, you know, a few local words like, thank you, which is Midasi, or like, welcome, Akwaba. And you meet a local, and maybe they help, they assist you with something, and you go like, oh, Midasi. So, you know, that alone sets the tone, and it gives mm -hmm. that kind of, like, welcoming vibe where everyone, because uh, most of it is like um, this community, um, welcoming community kind of vibe most of the time. For sure. I like, I, I definitely like concur with everything you said. And I will also even say like, read, like read books or even blogs, you know, like in terms of like what's, what's going on like presently right now. Like, again, like I think that a lot of people have like this romanticization of Africa, like, oh, like, you know, everybody. And I mean, I've heard this a lot, you know, where people is like, oh, well, you know, I could be a king or a queen. Like, no, you can't stop. Like, that's not, that's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone is called Nana. So you're is a king, that, right? <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Exactly. Exactly. Like, actually, like, that's, that's a name, you know, get it together. Like, okay. You know what I mean? But like, but you do feel that presence there you know mm -hmm. when when you are there but I'm just like it I mean it's just people going about their black business 
<laughs> Which, if we all continue to do, the world will be a much easier place. And it's kind of crazy because um, I feel like that's the same thing we say to people who try to come to Detroit, right? Where they're like, oh, I'm here. I'm going to move here. Or, oh, where's Eminem? Where's oh, the Coney yeah. Island? It's just like, you know. So it definitely is some mirroring. But I think it's just an interesting dichotomy to think about not necessarily being able to touch the place that you've been from. And I do want to applaud you both for sort of having like an international connection. I feel like there are a lot of artists who wish they could perform or or present in a certain way in both places and places that matter to them. So I wonder if you can tell me a little bit more about how you've been able to physically be in those places and also continue your work elsewhere? You, to be honest, like, I don't view it as me, like, working, you know, like, be, you know, like, I'm mm-hmm. I'm there trying to, like, get more in touch with, like, who I am. Um, and so, like, even when I've spent time with the, uh, the, uh, the National Dance Company of Sierra Leone, I'm always like, hmm, you know, like, how do they like keep up with you know like all of the like energy that they exude because I'd be tired after like one <laughs> or two moves I'm just tired but um I feel like in or I feel like it's going back to a keep informed on your practice keep informed of your like okay I'm on the right path or like to reaffirm what it is that you do. And I think that it is for me because of like, you know, because of dance, because of movement. Um, like I, I like to see how people move in the, in the uh, marketplaces and, you know, how people get things done from like day to day. And, you know, me understanding and knowing that, you know, I come from, a place of privilege and wanted to always go back and ground myself in, you know, in the Africanness of Africa, you know, and it mm-hmm. also like, and that always brings me to the point where like, okay, like it's not as, it's like, people don't really care so much about what you always care about. And you, and that is proof in Africa. It's like, I want something done right now, blah, blah, blah. And they like, hold your horses. Wait a second. I'm doing something. I'm <laughs> eating lunch right now. You know what I mean? And so like, I'm always like, you know what? It's, it's, it's not always about you. And that's, I mean, I know I have to go 5,000 miles away to get that, but I mean, it isn't always about you. And so I go just so I could be reminded, knocked on the head that it's not always about you, girl. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, um, for me, it's, I'm telling a story of a place, right? And what best way to... um, um, tell the story that to be part of the place. Okay, that's that's why I never want to feel disconnected, you know. And um, um, yeah, um, I've I've had friends in the U.S. who were born here who have never been to Ghana before or Africa before. They spent most of their lives here, and 
sometimes I see how they kind of like struggle, you know, um, because they it's like, oh, I'm an American, but um, within the, maybe the, the, the African community, it's kind of like, no, nah, you're not really that African, you know, and within the American community, it's like, oh, you're not really that American. So it, it constantly, yeah. But for me, I'm, I'm privileged to have that kind of like both spaces. I can easily maneuver, you know? And um, yeah, I think I think that's that's what, because I'm, for me, I'm interested in the idea of like having this hybrid identity, right? So being able to go here when I want, come here when I want, it fools my story. And um, I'm always like sitting back, looking at everything going on around me and translating those experiences into, into a, a painting or a work. So um, it's kind of like a case study for me. I'm just having fun in both spaces. And mm-hmm. I remember one, one time someone asked me, so um, what, what country are you a, a citizen of? And I was like, I'm a citizen of the world, you know. I'm just, I'm just moving through the world, and I'm taking experiences from um, all places that I go, and I'm translating that. Yeah, um, yeah. But um, to stay connected to Ghana is my, or Africa is my ultimate uh, thing, uh, goal. Because at the end, the stories that I'm telling, the narratives and the dialogues that I'm coming up with is coming from there. And that's where I get my source and fuel from. So it's always like good to stay connected with. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I think we just need tangible examples, like to be able to say, oh, yeah, I know this dude <laughs> that goes here and there and makes work the whole time, I think is a lot of the ultimate goal for a lot of people. So it's good to hear that it's possible and to see that it's possible since you're sitting in your studio oh, yeah. right now. <laughs> <laughs> the beautiful thing for me is, Ajara, I met you just like out in the world. And I don't think I knew <laughs> what you were about, who you were, blah, blah, blah. I just met you as a person. And then slowly, maybe like the second time I saw you dance, and I'm like, oh. So like she dances, dances. Like we all dance, but like she be dancing. <laughs> um, and I think the beautiful thing about the way that you dance is that you dance with your whole body. And um, there's so much joy and just like laughter that I feel in your dancing. It just feels very embodied. And I'm just curious from when I see you and also right now, who are you dancing for? Oh, wow. I've never been (laughs) asked that question. I am dancing. Oh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm dancing for people who may or may not even have paid to see me perform. I'm dancing for my teachers that have, you know, showed me those steps. I'm also dancing for the people that came before me um, because in African dance, particularly for me, because I I am a West African um, dancer in in the tradition, but I do believe in Africa, when we speak of dance, it isn't like viewed as dance as in five, six, seven, eight type step. It Mm -hmm. is a communal thing that people Mm -hmm. do together. 
And so I am dancing with community. And so when I, you know, gave all of that, you know, who I'm dancing for, that's exactly who I am dancing in community for community. And, um, and so like when I dance, like I'm, I'm engaging with the dancer next to me, you know, like, you know, winking and whatever, because I mean, I feel like, I draw on that energy and I draw on the the energy of those around me. And, and I know like something like, and it's, it's difficult for me to dance by myself. Like if I'm doing mm. the piece, I'm like, no, 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 no. I can't because I need that. I need that energy from my, my fellow dancer to like get me through through like choreography moves steps and also like for me like it would be a disservice if I'm thinking if I'm talking about presenting um the tradition piece and for me to do it by myself because it isn't Mm. done by yourself you know what I mean like everybody plays a role in in what it is that you're doing what you know what choreography or what dance you're doing so yeah I I do it for, you know, I, I do it for all of the above and, you know, just making sure that I have a connection with, you know, everything around me. Mm-hmm. Which goes back to your point that it's not all about you. That's what you said. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is, this is for all of us. We can all do this. Um, and I do just want to talk more about the, is it a dance conference or event that you just hosted? Can you tell yes. us more about what that was like and how it came to be? So this came out of my partner and I, who um, we danced together and we co-founded an organization together. We presented at Duke University for the uh, Collegium of African Diaspora Dance, CAD. And so mm-hmm. we were talking about, okay, we were saying queering classical. Like, what does that mean? Like, how come classical is, when you think of classical dance, your mind takes you to like Russian style ballet. But when you act, but classical dance form in itself is something that is like the tradition of the tradition of the tradition. Meaning like there's mm-hmm. classical Indian dance, there's classical West African, there's cla- Zimbabwe or mm-hmm. whomever, Thai dance. It is classical dance. However, when you think about that actual word, that isn't what you come to mind. Like when you, so mm-hmm. when you talk about world dance, they they say like folk dance or something like, like why, why is it folk dance? And I'm not saying anything about folk dance, but what I'm saying is that classical is, is the foundation of dance period. And even to take a step further, if we really truly talk about it, if we want the the foundation of the tradition of the tradition, like underneath all of that, it came from Africa, period. Mm. And so, and that's Mm. what we talked about. That's, you know, like, how do we start to change the narrative in academia as well to talk about what classical really means and you know how do you take away that whole like formal training of 
dance and drum or whatever thing that is tradition in its nature that you learn from someone else through like mentor or apprenticeship. Um, and so when we came back from that presentation, we were like, oh my God, like, why don't we, why don't we do this conference? And because of COVID, it changed in a way. Like it was supposed to be a weekend long and when we would have panels, et cetera. But it turned into a three week long, like virtual thing where we had discussions with um, with scholars speaking about dance and how they came into the, uh, the uh, dance tradition. And then we also had performances from dance companies um, and and that's something that I want to continue to do. I, I want to mm-hmm. be able to uh, continue to ask those questions, to have a line of query where we are not trying to fit ourselves into a, a narrative that wasn't written for us or by us, but we are planting and like solidifying our own stuff and either you want to come and celebrate with us or you don't we don't give a damn but you know like it's I feel like it's time for us to like as right now like I really don't care about having a seat at the table like Hmm. you know like what what has that really done for us anyway like I'm really interested Mm -hmm. in how we could push our own narrative, not even push, we create and move forward into the future, our own narratives and stories and how we want to represent dance in the culture mm. as a whole. I love that. And are the conferences, like the the stuff, is that still available online? Yeah. Like, is that something people can... It okay. is online. We have a, a YouTube page where like, if you, if you want to sit down and like, really, if you got hours, because <laughs> we were really talking for an hour, you know, with, you know, um, teachers out of New York, you know, individuals from California talking about their craft and the history that was behind it. Um, and this is something that we'll be doing like every other year. So next year we'll do another conference and hopefully it will be in person. But, you know, um, We've like even last year, right before um, the the uh, pandemic hit, we had what we let's call a our rule of three, where we had three teachers teaching three different type of um, dance disciplines, and so that's mm-hmm. what I want to do is really expose, especially black people, to the uh, variety and the traditions of Africa, and I'm not even speaking of West Africa, I'm speaking Africa as the continent, mm. because what I feel that we we miss is that that whole connection that was stolen from us. And let's, let's not forget that it was stolen from us. It isn't something that we gave away holy like here here you go take my culture like no it was ripped and how we can make that connection and what that connection looks like and that's why I just do what I do I know like I just said a lot but uh yeah we needed it all I personally needed it all you brought it you brought it all home (laughs) thank you so much um um the work sample that you shared Patrick eye of the beholder for starters, can you 
tell me how this piece came to be and also describe what it looks like for people who can't see it? Um, so um, actually this idea, I, w- I was watching a documentary one time, right, on YouTube. And um, it's in the documentary, they was talking about this ancient way of making mirrors in India, right? Where it's like um, that mirror is the technique in making it, the materials are very ancient, but it's um, a small group of people practicing and making that now, right? And it's nearly extinct, right? And one thing about the mirror was that it, it reflects your true image. And that to me was like very interesting. And um, the title of the documentary was actually in the eye, in the eye of the beholder, in the eyes of the beholder, right? And it, it got me thinking, you know, um, um, constantly thinking about culture, the invention of culture, the evolution of culture, you know, and what happens within with the individuals living within, you know, that kind of evolving culture. And if you look at this image, it has um, two two groups. Like, so the the characters are actually family. It's my sister and the husband, right? And um, the two kids are actually my nephew and niece, my sister's kids. And they live in Detroit, right? So yeah, I I, I was thinking about, I lived with them for a while. So um, living with them, looking at dynamics, it it got me thinking that um, my sister and the husband grew up in Ghana and they moved to the US for school and now they live here, right? And they have their kids who were born like here. And um, they visited Ghana like about two or three times in their lifetime, right? So it it was interesting to see that those two dynamics because parents trying to um, connect their kids back to home or back to like, I talk about base, right? And the kids are so Americanized, they're like, Oh man, oh that, you know, that kind of thing. So it's like um at some point my nephew started asking these interesting questions to um, you know, and I um if you look at the painting, they are holding a mirror, right? And um the mirror is kind of like a confrontation from a certain generation, a younger millennial generation towards the, the older generation, you know, confronting their idea of what culture is, you know, or what, uh, who they are supposed to be within a given space, you know. So yeah, that that was actually what influenced, yeah. And when when I'm actually working, it's kind of like I take all these stories around me, you know. It's everyday life, but how can you take this? I mean, family experience and translate it into this uh, painting, which is like really interesting and stuff yeah yeah it's gorgeous and I really love the layering of it um I was just looking at the specific places that you were talking about just now and I love like the orange part so I guess like the first panel part it just it it stands out yeah yeah (laughs) I'm still trying to figure out what to do with it but I don't want to push too many meanings Um, I think the, the whole idea is um um, I, I think about time. I, t- I think about history, and I 
always say that history is a sedimentation of events, right? So what if I can um, slice through history, um, a particular event, and reveal what's in the past, at the same time show what's in the present, right? So this, this whole approach that I've been using in my painting with the idea of layering, it's a way that it's it's like um, I'm slicing through time, and I want people to question the relationship between the past and now. You know, um, um, the question: um, who who is a modern African or who is a contemporary African? Right? Um, you we are always tempted to go back to the old notion of who an African is, but for me. Um, now globalization and universalization, everything has been like hybridized. So there, there are more layers to, yeah. <clears throat> so this layering is my attempt to like break down history so that as a viewer, when you come to the work, you, you go around it. You know, it's like when you're reading history book, you're wrapping your, your mind around history, you know. I remember reading something about uh, World War, the World War One, World War Two, and stuff, and I kept wrapping my mind around these events. Like, oh wow, this is crazy, you know, all those stuff. So, th this is my way of physically creating that mind bend, you know, within within a physical like company. Yeah. Mm hmm. Beautiful. Yeah, the mind is bent. <laughs> 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 my mind is bent. <laughs> That's gorgeous. Um, yeah, this is beautiful. I I knew this was going to be a cool conversation. I just didn't know how cool it was going to be. So thank y'all for staying on this journey. And um, I don't want to keep y'all for too long, but I'm curious if there are any ways that people can engage with your work, like in the next couple of weeks or so, any digital things that are happening. And if not, that's completely okay. I have okay. classes um in person so at first they were at mary grove so now we're looking for space right now so but when that is announced i'll put that online at Tamate dance that's the uh, dance organization that um i have or my own personal um page but um that's i mean i I want people to get like in touch like that way, like here, like if you want to step your foot in, you know, come to mm -hmm. class, you know, come and let's like dance together. So I'll be doing that. Yeah. Uh, I have nothing coming up um, anytime soon, but um, I'm currently in New Haven um, for Next Haven uh, Access Residency. And um, in September, I have, I'll be showing during Amory in New York. Um, I think same week I have um, a group show um, in, in um, a gallery uh, called Ross and Kramer in New York, right? So that, that'll be interesting. I mean, looking at the conversation because it's curated by Larry Osebensa and um, it's kind of going to focus on um, a few Ghanaian artists and like talking about what we're discussing right now, you know, being African, being in America, being Ghanaian and practicing in America and all those stuff. So we kind of like establishing that language through our next exhibition. So yeah, that'll be interesting. And yeah, um, if anything comes up, 
Instagram definitely would be where I would yeah. put it. Yeah. So beautiful. So that was two different shows or one? Yeah, show? two different shows. One is an art fair. So where's which is okay. Armory. The Armory Art Fair, okay. yeah. Got it. And the other is um would be at I think on the fifth of September at Ross and Cream Gallery. Yeah. Got it. Beautiful. Well, this was great. I am just so honored to be in conversation. And I think originally this was planned for earlier, but I'm so happy that this is like the bow. It's just like the cherry on top. (laughs) Very cool conversation I was looking forward to for a long time. And I'm I'm very honored to be in conversation with you. Oh, thank you so much. This was a treat. I was able to rant. And I appreciate it. Anytime. Yeah, thank you too. Yes. I had so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Thank you so much. I can't wait to see you all in person. Mm-hmm. I cannot wait to see people in person. Right. So I'm gonna try to make that happen. Yes. All right. <laughs> thank you so much. It was all such right. nice meeting you, Patrick. Likewise. All right. Nice Beautiful. Yeah, y'all stay yep. in touch. Nice to meet you. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Talk to Bye. you soon. Bye. Shout out to the artists and listeners who have joined me on this marvelous journey. I'm your host, Imani Mixon, and this concludes Subject Matter Season 1, presented by Kresge Arts in Detroit and Red Bull Arts Detroit. Thank you so much for listening.